Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Catherine Watkin. Very warm welcome to you. Hello, Amy, and thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here at last. And where is here at the moment? Oh, I meant here as exciting to be here on your podcast because I've wanted to be a guest for ages and ages and ages. So it's really good that I'm I'm here. And, And here in terms of like my physical location here, I'm not, I'm near, I'm sort of between Chester and Wrexham in North Wales at the moment, which is a place I accidentally landed up in during lockdown. And you'd been traveling around all sorts of places and that's where you end up. So interesting. Yeah, I'd been traveling around actually during lockdown one, um, me and my then partner decided to pursue a dream that both of us had had for many years, even before we met each other, of living in a motorhome. So we bought, a, it's a big camper van or a small motorhome. It's not really one or the other. And we set off and lived in it for the summer last year. And then, yes, I accidentally ended up in this area, which is where my family are. Fantastic. So what is it you're up to at the moment? So I guess my main focus in my business at the moment is um, I'm not that long out from a launch of my membership. I run a membership called Business from the Heart um, for for heart-centered business owners who want to grow a great business but don't want to compromise their values in the process. And I'm just a couple of weeks out from closing that launch. So my main focus, I guess I've got two main things I'm up to. One is very conscious of like the onboarding and the experience of those new members and making sure that I'm taking care of them. But also there's a little bit of, oh, and I need a rest right now. And how and where and when am I going to fit in a bit of a holiday? So I'm in that. And also for me, the summer months are my slower months. My business is structured in a way where I work really quite hard during parts of the year. And there are other parts of the year where I can sort of take it a bit easier. So I'm I'm just hopefully going into those slightly looser, easier months, hopefully. And business from the heart, you mentioned about people who want to create businesses where they don't compromise on values. Why do you think that people do compromise on values in business? Um, I don't know that a lot of people do compromise on their values, and this is exactly where the problem lies. So my, my business name is Selling from the Heart, and where I started out 10 years ago was this light bulb moment that I was getting clients, and a lot of the people who I'd done my training with were not managing to get clients. And and what I learned is that there are a certain group of people and they've gone into business where their primary motivation is wanting to make a difference to others. They want to make a difference and they want to help and serve and they want to get paid for that. And the problem with that group is they then start learning about how to sell, how to market their business. They go on courses. They learn all of this stuff it feels totally out of alignment with who they are, gives them a knot in their stomach. They think this is not how I want to treat people. And actually what happens is they then don't do anything because they tell themselves the story. If my business is going to be successful, I have to do this 
be this way, treat people that what this way, say this sort of thing. And they don't compromise their values, but because they haven't learned a different way anywhere, they think that's the only way and they end up just coming to a standstill. They end up not moving things forward at all. And the way that you're you're selling from the heart, how is that different to the the way that they're being taught elsewhere? So I make a distinction between what I call heart-centered sales and what I call traditional sales. It's just the way that I choose to label it. Now, I'm in theory, I'm from a traditional sales background. I, I fell into my very first sales job when I was 23. And by the time I started this business, I'd been in sales for about 17 years. So I'd been through all of the traditional sales training. I was very familiar with a lot of that methodology. Then when I started my business and I was learning about business, again, I was learning sales and marketing techniques. A lot of them were based on psychological manipulation, NLP techniques, um, objection handling, closing techniques, all of that sort of thing. And um and, and for me, what I realized, and I hadn't realized it when I'd worked in sales in the corporate world, is that that wasn't the way that I sold. And yet I was always in the top, between the top one to three people. I was always in the top three of salespeople wherever I worked in my sales career. And it was then realizing, well, actually, I've always done things my way and my way has sort of worked. So some of the three key differences for me are traditional sales is very much based on what's in the best interest of the person doing the selling. It's about what's best for me right now, what's best for my bank account, the need to hit my targets, to keep my job. In heart-centered sales, the focus is on what's best for the client and, and everything is driven by what's best for the client. None of it, the, the, um, the, the salesperson or the business owner's agenda. I also see it as very much based on collaboration rather than pursuit. So in traditional sales, it's very much based on pursuit. The salesperson has their agenda. They're chasing down the potential client, wanting them to give them the yes. In heart-centered sales, I see it as a collaboration. We're sort of side by side, exploring this thing together, finding our way together, seeing if we're a match together. And it's not completely passive. The person doing the selling does need to be willing to be directive, to be confident, to be clear if they're making a recommendation. But that's not the same as using manipulative, sleazy techniques. And the other big difference, this is certainly my heart-centered sales. I personally, I don't know of anyone else who says this, I personally do not teach closing techniques. I have an entire eight-week sales course and I do not teach closing techniques because my sort of people don't want to learn to close and their sort of clients don't want to be closed. It just doesn't work for a lot of more heart-led, difference-based businesses. And are you finding that there are a growing number of more heart-led, purpose-driven, values-based businesses coming to the forefront? Yeah, I feel that I've seen that since I started my business. You know, I definitely felt it at that time. I started 10 years ago. I think that phrase heart-centered wasn't used as much. Um, and I do feel that it's, yeah, I do. I, I, I just feel like more and more people are getting their eyes open to the fact that just because I pay somebody £3,000 to tell me to use a pointy red arrow and use this particular NLP-based te technique doesn't mean automatically that's the only way to make my business work. And they're going, I don't like doing it this way, but I don't know I don't know another way. So there, I don't know if it's a growing market, but it's definitely a, you know, there's a 
there's a lot of people out there and then there's a lot of people who are not and I often say to my own audience when I'm talking about um, you know we're looking at things like ideal client and target market and niche I often say you know when I'm illustrating I say look probably 80% of the population is not in the least bit interested in what I teach they couldn't they're not interested in heart-centered sales they think it sounds fluffy or woolly they just want to go learn the fastest way to let me close the sale as possible so but it doesn't matter that that it, it doesn't even matter whether it's a growing market or a big market. There's a there's a there there is a there is a big group of people out there who don't want to do it the old way. Well, I'm with you, and, I, and it's funny when you're describing the way that you worked in a collaboration side by side sort of way. That was exactly what I used to do in sales when I was in my early twenties because I hadn't been taught, and I was just given a desk, and I worked in recruitment, and I just did it my way. Yeah, you sound like me. I was given a desk, and I worked in recruitment, and I used to get sent off on sales training courses, and then I would. I would learn all the icky stuff and I'd come back to my desk and I remember my manager would pace because he would pace around behind us to listen into our calls and he would be pacing around behind me and I'd just be sitting there thinking, let's not in my stomach thinking, I can't say this, I can't do this. And as soon as he was out of earshot, I'd be like, right, I'm doing it my way. And I, you know, as a result of doing it my way, like I said, I was in the top, I was in the top salespeople for all three companies I worked for doing it my way. And I think the difference was that the people I was dealing with, so as you know, in the recruitment industry, we have two groups of people we're selling to. It's a much more complex form of sales than any other form. We're selling to our client, but we're also selling to the candidate that we're trying to sell the job to, to go and meet the client. And then we're selling them on taking the job. There's these two pieces that have to come together. And I think that my clients who are recruiting and my candidates who I was, I did a lot of headhunting, who I was encouraging to leave their jobs to go to this other job, they always knew, they always sensed or knew that I had my, their best interests at heart because I was always like authentic with integrity. I didn't lie to get them to, you know, I didn't promise them, oh, within six months, you're gonna have this big promotion if you take the job. I was sympathetic if they were worried about taking their children out of school to move across the country. And I think actually that 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 sense that I really had their best interests at heart and I was really listening to them was what made me successful. Not the fact that I had a whole armory of objection handling and closing techniques at my sleeves. And you're absolutely right. I, I just wrote down a couple of words just thinking about my, the reflections of how I worked as well. I used to work with temps. So it wasn't the permanent staff or, that I was working with. I had people coming in and they would be doing anything from a day's work through to several months, but they were short term contracts. And it was transparency and honesty that I always led with. And I always said, this is what I'm charging the client this is what I can pay you so they knew what my margins were they knew what I was making and I was comfortable with that and I always felt very comfortable that that is the, the, the way that I approached my business because then they were on board with me they were like okay well I understand your business model I understand what what it is that you want me to do for this period of time I get it and that was a collaboration and you're absolutely right. And people, you didn't understand the way that I worked, but I just knew that it was what it really worked for me. And like you, I was also the one of the top candidate, not candidates, top recruitment consultants. That was the word consultant, yeah. because month in, month out, it, it was just a case of I had built rapport. 
And people did get, get permanent jobs because they were in the right jobs. And as you say, you've got to match the right people with the right skill sets, with the right personalities and the dynamics. And I was thinking ahead of my time. I was thinking about culture. I was thinking about the environment, essentially thinking about, you know, why they were there. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that we were in recruitment or if I did, I've forgotten. So that was really interesting. Uh-huh. So, so tell me, selling from the heart and the selling bit there is quite prominent as opposed to business from the heart. I know you're, you're about to launch a new thing called business from the heart. So what's the transition there? Oh, actually, business from the heart is has been around for three and a half years. But um, the, the transition is that when I first started my business, I came to I came to my business with 17 years plus experience in sales and not a lot of a clue about anything else. I didn't have a clue about marketing. I didn't understand how to structure my business to be profitable. I didn't understand about business models. I was just flailing around in a bank of fog where I couldn't see in front of my nose. And what became apparent, it wasn't obvious to me at all to begin with, but I ended up running um, a, a day for the coaching school where I trained as a coach called Sales Success for Coaches. And it was absolutely eye-opening. I just spent the whole day teaching complete and utter common sense that I thought everybody knew and everybody already did. And at the end of the day, everyone came up to me. That oh, There was 13 people there telling me that it was absolutely life-changing and it was going to change everything about the way they ran their businesses. So I walked out of that that day and it was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I had been struggling. I I just spent five years full time focused on seeking my purpose and it had not been a happy journey. And finally, this was it. I had found it. And it's called selling from the heart. And I started out teaching people how to sell in an authentic way. I have an eight week course called Get More Clients Saying Yes. And I also developed two other courses, one for selling from webinars and another for selling from speaking from the live stage. And that was what I built my business on. But as I was growing my business, of course, I was starting to fill in the gaps of the what I didn't know, which was I was starting to have a clue about how this marketing malarkey worked and what sort of business model and how to price myself and all of that. And so it wasn't long before I launched my own high end business mentoring program. And that was called Business from the Heart. So that got launched quite a long time ago. And then three and a half years ago, I actually found I'd become disillusioned with, 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 with that particular program. Not disillusioned, maybe it had run its course, it wasn't right for me. And I realized that I had this really big calling to make my knowledge available to many, many, many more people, not just the people who could afford £6,000 to £12,000 to join that. And so three and a half years ago, I, I launched my pride and joy and my baby, which is the business from the heart membership, which is a low monthly investment membership. So it has a lot more people in it, but they still get access to all my teachings and trainings and mentoring calls and hot seat calls with me. And yeah, and I've got 442 members in it at present moment since we launched two weeks ago. So I'm like super happy about that. That's fantastic. And we met a couple of years ago. We were both invited to be roundtable mentors at a particular event with, I think it's it's all women, isn't it? It's it's predominantly women now. Actually, I recognised you there because the week, two weeks before, you were a speaker at a big event that I was at. But you obviously didn't know me. I was in the audience, but I knew you and I came running up to you like, oh, I saw you last week. 
It was so weird. It was brilliant. Yes, I'd spoken at Anne Wilson's event in, in Heathrow. Yeah. That was fantastic. Again, it's it's funny, isn't it, how we, all these circles do overlap and they and all of the, the different elements overlap. But I wanted to go back and talk about you said you spent five years seeking your purpose and then it you realized it was already there essentially yeah so I I left my corporate sales career so I'd had a number of jobs in corporate sales um, and I'd also done temp recruitment like you had but my final one I was a headhunter um, and I was recruiting into the banks and financial services companies in the Canary Wharf in the city so you know pretty you know pretty sort of tough area to be in but I still did really well there but I left that because I was just desperate I was really well paid I was in the top three consultants in that company I think I was in the top two in that particular company I was really successful in financial terms and yet I I felt that my life was deeply meaningless and I was desperate to be able to do work that felt fulfilling for me and had meaning and it was all I wanted and I'd been thinking about leaving for a while and interestingly I decided I was going to leave and I had the big test in that just as I was on the brink of leaving there was a management buyout and because I was one of their senior consultants I was in line to have such a big payout that I would be financially free now I'd be mortgage clear financially free and um, but I would have to stick around for five years to get that and I still walked that was how badly I needed to find my purpose. But I'd been doing the wrong work for me for so many years. I didn't even know who I was anymore. And um, I also, by that time, was on the descent into what became a decade of chronic fatigue syndrome and ME. So I was very unwell along this journey. But I set out to find out what is this thing that I am supposed to be doing and it took me five years and I tried everything. And I am so fortunate that I was able to try everything because I had the money in the bank for my successful career. And if I felt that the thing that I was meant to be doing was to become an acupuncturist, I went to Sri Lanka to study acupuncture. And six weeks in, I realized it wasn't that after all, that really I wanted to be a nutritional therapist. So I flew home and I enrolled in a master's degree in nutritional therapy. And 12 months into that, I realized it wasn't that. And I walked and I went and it, it looked crazy from the outside, but I was on in relentless pursuit of my life purpose. I only knew I only knew three things about my life purpose. One was that I wanted to get paid to help people. That was that was one of them. The other thing was I knew that I was never going to wear a suit again as long as I live. And the third was I knew it had absolutely nothing to do with sales, which is probably why it took me five years to find it. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you, you mentioned earlier about filling in the gaps and clearly that there is this the whole thing about sales is that you are filling in the gaps. You are helping someone from one point to another point and you are gap selling essentially you you're helping them to move from one position to another and the relentless pursuit of exploration and thinking that you were going to find it here there and everywhere but you knew that it didn't lie within that money being essentially being paid for your purpose yeah it turned out that it wasn't 
the sales I didn't want anything to do with anymore. It was the corporate world. And it was what I'd now call traditional sales. I had no interest in standing in a meeting room somewhere surrounded by people in suits, teaching them sales how to handle sales objections. And, and I think, you know, how the journey all adds up. So over the course of my seeking, I retrained as a yoga teacher, meditation teacher, Reiki healer, coach, NLP practitioner, master trainer, hypnotherapist, postgraduate qualification in nutrition, and I have probably forgotten a couple of things. Like, And that was the perfect journey for me because it was only because I went and studied all of those things that I met all the other people studying those things for whom it was their purpose. And yet they would pop out of their training courses and they could not get clients. And, and it was my realization that one of the reasons they couldn't get clients was because they just could not bring themselves to do what they were being told they would, they should do if they wanted to get clients. And that was my light bulb. It's like, oh, it's not that type of sales. It's this group of people. It's this group of people, the helpers, the healers, the servers, the difference makers of the world. That's my mission to help them reach more clients because when, when they reach more clients, I don't I don't only get to make an impact on the people. So I don't only get to make an impact on the people who come and do my course and learn how to get clients. I make an impact on every single one of their clients who works with them because they wouldn't work with them if they didn't know how to have a conversation that guided them to the decision to do that. And, and that was the difference. That type of sales, it turned out. It turned out that I had this different way of selling. It's more authentic. It's more integrity-based. It's more heart-centered. So it was sales. It just wasn't obvious because I also had connotations about sales that it's manipulative and it's sleazy and it's about shiny suits and you have to wear a suit to do it. And, you you know, I, I had all those beliefs as well. Oh, I, lo- I love that you're now making a difference in and that there's a ripple effect coming from all of these different areas of the people that you're working with. And, and your number one element was to be paid to help people. And obviously not wear the suit and the sales piece was one that was blinding you to not seeing that it was already the skill set was there and often this is the case isn't it that that the skill set that we push aside is actually the one that will serve us most yeah because nobody else you know I I very frequently get told that um the phrase that people have used about me is that I'm world-class in terms of my ability to coach people around the really finer details and subtleties of sales. And I, I only got that because I spent 17 years on the coalface actually doing it. It wasn't even conscious to me anymore. And it turns out that I'm a good teacher. So I can teach, I'm able to break that down in language that helps me pass that knowledge on to other people. But if I'd completely thrown the baby out with the bathwater and I'd started in one of those other many things, you know, I talked about, for example, going to study as a nutritional therapist, I was having to build my knowledge from ground zero. And I I actually, if I'd continued down that path, it would have been quite a long time before I was confident in what I was doing. Doesn't mean I wouldn't have got there. With the sales, I, I already had it. I came with that expertise. And I think that's also made a big difference that I've, um, I've built a business based on a really deep, solid expertise, not something that I came into with a shallow knowledge. And then I've had to scrabble to build on top of that. And it is interesting that a lot of people who want to have these midlife beginnings, 
such as you did. They they feel that they have to just turn their back on everything that came beforehand. And yet actually it's the tweaking, it's it's the it's the recentering and then being able to use the superpowers that you've already got. Yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't see it. Like I really couldn't see it. And in that five years of seeking, so many people would say to me, Catherine, why don't you just go and teach that? You know, they'd see me scrabbling around, bouncing from one country to the to the other with my savings rapidly dwindling because I was trying all these different things out. And people would just keep saying to me, Catherine, why don't you go and teach sales? You'd be really good at it. You'd make really good money. And I'd be like, no, 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 just wouldn't entertain it. And it, it is really interesting that I think it's very common. People want to make a change but they're too quick to throw out, you know, like not everything in in reality, not everything about my sales career was bad. I actually did used to say, I feel really blessed because I get to spend my days talking to people. I get paid to spend my days talking to people. I'm not micromanaged because in the recruitment industry, if you sell well, people leave you alone. So I had, you know, I actually had a really, in many ways, a really positive workplace experience because of all of those things. And yet I still couldn't see anything but the negative by the time I left. I wasn't open minded to see that there is the kernel of what I'm going to build an entire extremely fulfilling business on. And how does it feel now? How can you explain what it's like to know that you are making that difference and that you are encouraging all those people who have gone on their own personal journeys and then you're able to to trans transform their businesses into such that they are now profitable for them yeah I mean it's just so rewarding and you know one of the things that I discovered as well fairly early on into my business into into running these high-end mentoring programs is that actually I get although I do really good work with people who are further ahead in business And I do run a small mastermind with women who are scaling and launching and running and selling online courses and memberships because that's all the stuff that I do in my business. The the sweet spot for me where I get the most joy is what I call like those business baby steps. There is nothing that brings me so much fulfillment as somebody in one of my programs coming into a Facebook group to celebrate that she has just enrolled her very first paying client into a package or program or something with a, I call it chunky money, not single sessions, but actual chunky money. That gives me more fulfillment than anything else, because I know that if that person can sell just one of those things, she can sell 20 or 200 I say she a lot. I have men in my programs too, but they're mostly women. She's sorted. She's on her way. And that, you know, so for me, it's those early steps that are often the most fulfilling piece of all. And yes, of course, I love it if, you know, I love it when a client who's more advanced doubles their turnover. You know, that's also really great and really fulfilling. But it's those early baby steps that light me up the most. And what's the mission? What's the big picture for you now, Catherine? So I I still feel like the membership is my baby. And I, you know, even after I found my business here, this is quite an interesting point, I think that even after I finally found my business, and I found this is it, this is my purpose. It then still took me a long time to sort of find the exact right vehicle for that purpose for me. So I have a I have an eight week online course, which is just beautiful and incredibly effective. And I actually don't know where it came from. When I re-listen to the modules now, I think, 
I'm pretty sure I didn't know this stuff back when I recorded it. So I think it was like a channel download or something. Not that I normally think in those terms, but I can't think of where else it came from. But then I done what my business mentors told me to do. I had several business mentors who said, if you want to be successful, profitable and successful, you have to add a high ticket offering to this. So I dutifully didn't know any better. And that's why I went off and did. So it and it was OK. I did really good work. The ladies in it got really good results. It became a bit of a family. We're all still connected now. But I wasn't fulfilled by working with a limited number of people every year. And it, it wasn't until sort of seven, six or seven years in, I don't know exactly. I think about seven years in before I had, I think six years in before I had the light bulb that actually the membership was the right model for me. And seven years before I actually launched it and started it. And for me, the last three and a half years has been me fully, fully on purpose because I have the vehicle that I feel really excited about. And of course, there's more. I do want to grow it further. I do want to reach more people. And I also want to spend a bit more time devoted to it. So within my membership, I actually have broken down the business journey into five stages of business. And within those five stages, I'm at stage five. That's why it's five stages. They sort of stop at the stage I'm at because I don't, I, I wouldn't profess to want to be able to teach people who are ahead of me. And one of the problems of the stage of business I'm in right now is that I'm often so busy behind the scenes, coordinating things, managing the team, dealing with other things, that I, I often feel frustrated because I'd like to be spending even more time in my membership, connecting in with people, spending more time just hanging out in the Facebook group, more time just popping in and doing them quick videos. And I think for me, the next stage for me is getting my team structure behind the scenes more effective than it is now so that I'm freed up to do my absolute best work and my absolute best work. And I got this um, from a book. Um, my, Michael Michalowicz wrote a book called Clockwork. And from reading that book, I identified that my real my real true zone of genius where I have the biggest impact is when I'm inspiring and teaching that I followed the process in that book and that's the what I came out with so as long as I'm inspiring and teaching through my programs or through my marketing or you know maybe even through a podcast interview like this where I'm talking and sharing some tips along the way as long as I'm inspiring and teaching I'm in my zone of genius I'm happy my clients are happy and my business is progressing and when I get caught up behind the scenes in the admin and the systems and the processes and managing the team and sometimes not quite having the right people and that takes a lot of time because then I feel like I sometimes have the analogy, it's like you've hired a cleaner and then you go along behind the cleaner with a dustpan and brush, brushing up all the dirt that they've just dropped as they've walked past you. Sometimes it can feel like that with team members. So my next phase is to get the business to a point where I really can be free to operate in my zone of genius and then I will have achieved true fulfillment. That will be my Zen moment. And it will probably never arrive because that's not the way life goes, right? It's, it's really funny because I'm listening to this and I'm just thinking, I know you and I know you're, you you love being in the business. And I know we're, we're sort of advocated to work on the business. The whole sort of e-myth revisited Michael Lee Gerber style is that to to have that business that runs without you being part of it. But when when you love what you do, it's very hard to not be attached. Oh, and I tried it once. I bought into the myth. We all do. We buy into the big promises. The 
the, the, you know, the evergreen online course that you never have to show up for. In my second full year in business, I only sold my course as a home study. I was doing lots of speaking engagements. I was probably speaking every two weeks. And every time I went to give a talk, I would make an offer for my course. And they just bought the home study. There was no me in it. So I'm living the dream. And it wasn't the dream because what happened was I stopped getting reports of people's results. I stopped feeling connected to people. I think without the structure of regular calls, coaching calls built in, people often didn't have the deadline to complete their module by. I suspect that that year, probably 70% of those courses I sold never even got logged into. Now, brilliant for my bank balance, very low in, in terms of my time, but not good for my fulfillment or what lights me up is seeing what lights me up is seeing my customers get results. So if I'm not showing up to support and coach and help them, they may not get those results. And so, yeah, for me, I realized after that year that actually the, the, the passive income, the passive income dream is not for me. For me, yes, I'd love to be released from some parts of running my business. My dream would be to just do the bits that I really love to do, but I wouldn't want to be released from contact with my clients. That would be the worst sort of business to have. It would, it would just have no meaning. I, could just, I might as well be selling anything. I might as well have done a go and sell on Amazon course and figured out the highest paying niche item of the week and factory source it from China and sit at home running my Amazon account. And some people do that and it works for them, but it wouldn't be fulfilling for me. And, and that's the beauty of purpose is that everything is different for different people and we all seek it in different ways. And, and as you said, you had all these different ventures and explored all different avenues and, and realized quite quickly that each one, as you were ticking them off on a list, were not right for you. They're right for other people. And that's why there is no set one way in life. There's no set course. There's no set direction that we can send people on. That You have to discover it yourself. Yeah, you have to, and I will never regret trying everything I did. And your your body tells you, you know, I remember I was I, I was a yoga teacher, I was running yoga classes, I was living in Brighton at the time. And there was one particular day where the 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 people coming to my class kept telling their friends. And on one day, so many people turned up, we could not fit them all in the room. We like we squished all the mats up close to each other and we could not fit all the people in the room. So I had a fully packed out yoga class. And I went home that evening. I lived up a hill. Brighton has a lot of hills. And I remember walking up that hill with like this deep sinking feeling in the pit of my belly. And it was just a whisper. And it said, this isn't it. You know, so the full yoga class that I should have been celebrating because, hey, I'm making it as a yoga teacher. This isn't it. And everything I did, same thing. I sat in a, in a therapy room in Brighton listening to a lady talk about her anxiety I was being a hypnotherapist in that life, sinking feeling, little whisper, this isn't it. And it just kept happening to me over and over again. And it wasn't fun. I have to tell you, it was not fun. I could write a book and make it look like an amazing journey, but it was not fun trying things and investing time and money and full of belief that this is it. And then getting that sinking feeling and that whisper that this, this isn't it, this isn't it. And for anyone listening to this who's going through the same thing, keep going, because one day, by complete surprise, I went, oh, my gosh, this is it. And that was 10 years ago. 10 years, and I still love it. So we do find it, just sometimes it takes a bit of looking. So you mentioned that you had 
a sinking feeling and the whisper saying this isn't it what was how did you receive the message that this is it oh that was like a like if that was like an uplifted feeling, almost like a feeling that came from my chest up into the air, like almost my arms in the air and just this, like this just real, oh my gosh. And I actually, um, the, the, the founder of the coaching school where I trained, he's become one of my closest friends now, but back then he was just the founder of the coaching school where I trained, but he'd agreed for me to run, he'd agreed to promote the session to his coaches, really good of him to, to give me a chance. And he was nearby at a bar that day because I ran it, so it sounds like I ran it near the coaching school and there was a bar downstairs from that. So at the end of the day, he'd gone downstairs. And I remember like barreling into that bar and just saying to him, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is it. I found it. This is it. And it's called Selling from the Heart. It was just this instant. And, it, and I just knew, like I just knew this is it. And whoever would have thought, but it really was it. It really was. And I love that you had these whispers and these sinking feelings that came from the stomach, but then this uplifting explosion came from, you said, the chest, but essentially it's coming from the heart. It would have come from my heart, yeah. I love that, and it's brilliant. And it's it's about listening. You know, you listened and you, you took advice from what messages you were receiving. Yeah. That's fabulous. Wow. Thank you for taking us on a journey through through all of this. It's been fabulous. I can't believe we've come to the end of our time together. Catherine, how would people get in touch with you? Okay, so my home online is mainly my website. I'm an old-fashioned kind of girl, and it's uh, you can go to sellingfromtheheart.com. And there's a few resources on there. So my core sales system that I teach, it's called the seven steps to yes for authentic sales conversations. People can sign up and receive that free as a short video series. Um, And there's an authentic sales styles quiz as well. And a free guide on how to build a business you love. So there's all sorts of resources on there. You can also find me on social media, but I would say, you know, that's probably the best place to start because the free resources available there are really useful and will get people started. And then, you know, if that's valuable and you want to follow me, I've got a Facebook group and a Facebook page and an Instagram. And I don't do LinkedIn. Still don't, I still don't do LinkedIn. That might have to shift sometime soon, but I'm I'm only really Facebook. Facebook and my website are really my online where I hang out. Perfect. Well, it sounds very generous what you have on there on offer, and I'll make sure it goes into the show notes. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved hearing your journey, your journey through purpose and and how Selling from the Heart was born. It's a really beautiful story. How would you like to to close out our episode, knowing that you don't like closing, but if you're closing out this episode for me? I I think, you know, I I think, first of all, by saying thank you to you for this interview, you know, I do a lot of podcast interviews, but I'm always talking about sales and business. And it's been, you know, I don't know if I've ever really talked a lot about that whole journey. So it's been wonderful just sharing and talking about that. And I think, you know, to keep it on purpose with the theme, I know that there will be other people out there who are in the same place that I was. Maybe they've already, maybe they've left their job and they've started their new business and they've got that sinking feeling, which is, well, it seems to be working and I'm getting clients, but I don't think this is really it. Just trust those feelings and keep moving forward and trying different things. And what you find as well is that as long as you're moving, this was something that a mentor of mine taught me very near the beginning of my business. 
As long as you're moving, you will get feedback that will enable you to course correct. But if you're standing still, paralyzed, sitting at home, deciding that you're not going to move until you're sure or you're not going to move until you're confident, you don't get any feedback. So if you start moving and you start off down a road, what if it's the wrong road? Well, you'll come to a closed gate and you'll have to turn left and then you'll go a bit further down there and then you'll realize you come out into a meadow when you realize that you're scared of cows. So you rush off into the trees. And as long as you're moving, eventually you'll walk into that clearing with a perfect, beautiful palace and you'll realize that was what you were looking for all the time but if you're not moving you won't if you're not moving and reacting to the opportunities that come up and you'll get the feelings that say this feels good and you'll get the feelings that say this isn't me you will find your way to whatever it is because I think we will all find our purpose thank you for listening to the focus on why podcast I'm Amy Rowlandson and if you've enjoyed this episode please leave me a five-star apple podcast review Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20 minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.